Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I'm your host, Hayden Grove, joined as always by our Cavaliers beat reporter, Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com. And Chris, we are here. Uh, it is We are recording this podcast on a Friday and Monday is media day, which means that things are going to be getting underway here quickly and the season is pretty much upon us at this point. That's right. I mean, ready or not, here it is. Once training camp hits, you know, it's a uh, very little break in terms of um, coverage of the team, in terms of the guys getting some time off. Um, once training camp hits, it's full go, and we'll see what this Cavs team is made of with the new additions. Right, right. Um, obviously, you know, we've talked a lot about the additions. We've talked about Max Truce. We've talked about Jordan Yang, but there is, uh, there's plenty there, and... Um, but what we're going to talk about to start today was a, a bomb from yesterday. Mm. Um, Damian Lillard. Uh, we spoke with Ethan Skolnick earlier, who said it was just a matter of time until the Heat got the deal they wanted. Um, that did not happen. And uh, that is not the case whatsoever, as uh, Damian Lillard goes to the Milwaukee Bucks, um, which obviously shakes up the Eastern Conference. So. Chris, what were your first initial thoughts? And then what does this mean for the Cavaliers? Um, what does this mean for the team? My initial thoughts, Hayden, were that, um, you know, Portland did what Portland needed to do in this kind of situation. Yeah, Dame was there for a long, long time. He was very loyal to the franchise and to the fan base. But basketball is a business, and it's a harsh business sometimes. And maybe he wanted to go to Miami. Maybe that's the only team that he wanted to go to. But there's no rule in place and he doesn't have anything in his contract that kept Portland from negotiating with other teams around the NBA and ultimately sending Dane to a different destination. For Portland, this is the move that is going to shape their future for the next 10 years post-Dame. So it's not about taking a lesser deal to satisfy a guy who no longer wants to be there, who is one of the greatest players in franchise history for the Portland Trailblazers, it was about doing what's best for them and getting the best possible package for them. They didn't like what Miami had to offer. I don't blame the Blazers for that. It wasn't a great enticing package to lose Dane. And it's not like anything that they got was significant um, in terms of like draft capital, in terms of like a young piece to build around. But I've talked about this a number of different times, Hayden. When it comes to trades in the NBA, oftentimes it's a chess move. And it's not about the move that you make. It's about the move that comes after the one that you make. And for them to acquire Drew Holiday from the Milwaukee Bucks and now be able to flip him to the highest bidder, contenders all over the NBA are going to want somebody like Drew Holiday. So the return package that they're going to get for an asset like that combined with the other assets that came to them for Dame, like it could be a pretty significant move for the Blazers um, when this is all said and done. So kudos to them for doing what they thought was best for them, because that's what teams in the NBA have to do. And for Dame, like, yeah, he didn't go to Miami and obviously he wanted to go to Miami. He's joining Milwaukee. He's joining one of the best teams in the NBA. The minute that this deal went down, Hayden, the Bucks became the title favorite. They jumped in front of the Denver Nuggets on all of the sports books that are out there. That tells you what people think about the potential of this Bucks team. 
So Dame is actually in a better situation to win a championship, which is all he ever said that he wanted now that he's teaming up with Giannis in Milwaukee. And it was a bad day for the Cavs because their path to winning the Eastern Conference and getting to the NBA Finals, not just this season, but beyond, um, is much more difficult. And I would probably go a step further and say much more unlikely. Yeah, how bad is it for Cleveland? I mean, what do you think about, you know, how bad it might be for the Cavaliers here, Um, given that, you know, now Milwaukee all of a sudden um, becomes not only, um, you know, better, but like you said, the number one potential team in uh, in the championship race. Well, the thing that we talked about on this podcast is that a lot of the top tier teams in the Eastern Conference appeared vulnerable. And they were surrounded with questions, right? And it didn't mean that they didn't have talent. Boston's got a ton of talent. Philadelphia, tons of talent. Milwaukee, same thing. But, like, all of those top-tier teams, Miami included, um, they made changes this offseason, and that led to a level of uncertainty of how quick they were going to figure it out, whether it was actually going to come together, whether the moves that they made were actually going to work. You know what I mean? So right. the Cavs, they added Max Struess and they added George Niang, and there's belief that they're going to be better than they were last year. But it's not like they traded Jared Allen. It's not like they added somebody the caliber of Donovan Mitchell that was going to take some time to figure that out. You know what I mean? Like they had continuity and chemistry within the roster and on their sidelines that I thought was going to allow them to maybe even propel to the top of the Eastern Conference in the regular season. Um, it's a little bit different now, right? Um, Milwaukee, to me, is a step ahead of everybody in the Eastern Conference. They've got Damian Lillard and Giannis together. And for all the things that you want to say about how is Milwaukee going to function on the defensive end, are they going to miss the fact that they don't have somebody like Drew Holiday defensively, a champion like Drew Holiday? Like, all those things are real, and it's stuff that Milwaukee's going to have to work through. But Dame and Giannis together is a problem, especially on the offensive end. And if you think about why Milwaukee doesn't have more finals appearances during the Giannis era, why they don't have more titles during the Giannis era, it's because they didn't have a dude like Dame. They didn't have a guy who could just go out, create offense on his own, hit big shots, late game situations, a guy who could take pressure off of Giannis on the offensive end. Um, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for any team in the Eastern Conference to contend with the Bucs and beat them four times in seven tries in a playoff series. And it's not just for this year, Hayden. That's the other thing here. Um Milwaukee was about to enter a very, very uncertain season with a Giannis-sized dark cloud hanging over the season because he had talked this offseason about chasing championships and his pursuit of championships and how that's the only thing that motivates him. And he wanted to see evidence from Milwaukee that they were willing to make that kind of commitment to him. They were willing to make that kind of commitment to their roster. They were willing to do whatever it took to put a championship team around Giannis. That's what he wanted to see. And they showed him that. So if you're Giannis, why would you leave when they just acquired the guy that you've been wanting as your running mate for the last couple of years? 
So this, in a way, secures Giannis's future in Milwaukee, you would think. And that means that this Bucks team, with fewer questions now because Dame is the running mate as opposed to Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton, makes it so that any Eastern Conference team, the Cavs included, are going to have to deal with this tandem, you would think, for as long as Dame's contract um, still exists on the books. Because it doesn't seem like Giannis would want to leave this situation now. So they go from a scenario with a new coach and the dark cloud of Giannis hanging over them and tons of questions about whether Chris Middleton can still be an all-star caliber player and whether the Bucks core had reached its peak. Like all of those questions, that's what Milwaukee was facing coming into this year. And those all go away. Yeah, they do. I mean, I think it was a brilliant move for Milwaukee. I mean, you know, Miami was the front runner. Dame said Miami, but hey, I, I don't think Dame's too upset about being in a situation like Milwaukee. How could you see? Yeah. <laughs> if you're motivated by championships, and yeah, they've got the Heat culture, and yeah, the Heat went to the NBA Finals last year. But if you're somebody like Dame, and you say that you're motivated by a championship um, and a pursuit of that, uh, this is a better situation than Miami, I would say. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, but Miami did make the finals last year, and sure, you know, if you're if you're a Heat fan right now, I mean, you got to be pretty disappointed. I mean, yes, you know, it it is it does take two to tango, and you got to be able to if you're a you know a GM, you got to get what you want. But yeah. Miami fans were pretty much ready for you know <laughs> them to add Dame, and you know we heard right. Ethan Skolnick say like you know just it's just a matter of time. But you know, so th- th- that being said, it's just it's the fact that it's not happening. You know, that kind of probably, I mean, I saw Jimmy, I didn't actually see the video. I saw that Jimmy Butler said something <laughs> about tampering or something. He's probably, I mean, they're probably not happy down there. No. And how could they be at this point? Right. After, in, and here's the thing, Hayden. We, we've talked about this so many times. Even last year, when Miami was floundering in the regular season, what did we talk about? Like, yeah. hold on, they're going to figure it out. Like, they're primed for a big second half of the season. Once they get to the playoffs, if they do get to the playoffs, if they do get to the playoffs healthy, like, you always have to be aware of Miami. Because they have Spo, because they have Jimmy Butler, because they have all that championship-level experience, because of Bam, like, all those different things. So, you never count out the Heat. And I fully understand that, and I'm admitting that. But it has been a horrible offseason for Miami. They lost two starters, Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, did not replace either one of those guys. And they were sitting here all along thinking that they were going to get Dame. They didn't get Dame. Maybe they get Drew Holiday out of this whole thing. But if they don't get Drew Holiday, then their offseason was what? It was subtractions. Without, yep. like, any substantial additions. Their only big addition, if you want to call it a big addition, and I would say it's relatively big because he's probably going to start for them, but Josh Richardson? Yeah. Like, that's your move? Thomas Bryant? That's your move? For a team that went to the finals, like, it's not a great spot to be in. No, it's not. And uh, and like you said, you know, yes, they'll probably go after Drew Holiday. And, and you know, I mean, they said today they weren't going to go after James Harden, but that could change, too. 
Um, they're, they're, the good news for the Heat is that you're like you said, there are still possibilities there for them to to add to what they had. But, you know, they have largely um, subtracted from what was a, you know, a, a championship level team last year. That's exactly right. Um, and again, you never count them out. Tyler Hero, the version of Tyler Hero that they're expecting to get this year, healthy version of Tyler Hero, that could help. Um you never discount Jimmy Butler. You never discount Bam Adebayo or Eric Spolstra or even Pat Riley's ability to make something else happen throughout the course of the season. Maybe there's somebody, um, some team out there that gets off to a really, really slow start and makes one of their stars available. And then Miami tries to pursue that and go that direction. Who knows? Um, but I just think if you're looking at the Eastern Conference hierarchy, and if you're being honest about what the team has coming into the season, I don't know, despite the fact that they represented the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals last year, I just don't know how you put Miami um, on a tier near Milwaukee or alongside Boston, Philly, Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they. you're right. I mean, they they had a great run, but they were not, you know, during the regular season, they were not, they were the eighth seed. I mean, they barely got in, so. I mean, um, they almost lost their second straight playing game. Yeah. They, they were losing with three minutes to go, and it seemed like their season was going to end in disappointment. It didn't happen that way. They found a way to clutch up and win that game, and then they beat the Bucs, and then they got to the NBA Finals, but. Based on what they did after that, I just don't know how you put them in that same category. After all of this, mm -hmm. after all of this, give me the top six in the Eastern Conference right now. Well, Milwaukee's one. Um, I think Boston has some questions to answer. Obviously, Malcolm Brogdon's pissed. He doesn't want to be in Boston. Um, and they lost heart and soul Marcus Smart, so they're going to have to adopt like a different identity, maybe mm -hmm. a different playing style. And they replaced him with like a stretch big who is historically injured in Kristaps Porzingis. When you yeah. have that kind of big in the middle of your team, like that changes how you have to play. And maybe that's something that they want, right? Maybe they think that they needed to be more explosive. Maybe they think they needed to be more versatile on the offensive end. But losing Marcus Smart is a big deal especially given what he meant to that organization and given how he fit their identity. Um, so I'm curious to see how that's going to work from a pure talent standpoint. Like right. that team's loaded. There's no doubt about that. So I think it's Milwaukee one. I think it's Boston Cleveland in that second tier. And right now it's hard to put Philly there because who knows what's going to happen with James Harden. They still have Embiid. He's still going to be an MVP candidate. They replaced Doc Rivers with Nick Nurse. So that's going to be a change for the 76ers. Uh, maybe they get Drew Holiday. Who knows? If they get yeah. Drew Holiday, holy moly, that would be really, really good for the Sixers. But, like, if James Harden is disgruntled or if he can't work out his issues with Philadelphia management, like, are they going to start Patrick Beverly? You know what I mean? Um, right. Are they going to hand the reins of the offense to Tyrese Maxey and hope that he's ready for that level of responsibility? So I, I think the Cavs coming into this offseason, everybody knew 
that they needed more shooting, they needed more spacing, they needed a little bit more offensive firepower. And they got that. And again, Max Struess is not an all-star caliber player on his own, but he he has a way of creating a domino effect of positive offense. He's going to make it easier on Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, and the Cavs can run different things on the offensive end. They can run some dribble handoff stuff. They can go away from their pick and roll stuff. They can run some empty corner stuff. They can run some movement-based stuff with Max Struess. Because of the personnel changes that the Cavs made, they can do things in a different way on the offensive end. And I think they have the ability to leap into the top five of NBA offenses because of the addition of Struess and the addition of Niang. And I already liked the things that that the Cavs had coming back. I liked the fact that they hung on to Jared Allen. I think that was the right move. I think Evan Mobley can take another step forward. So this was a 51-win team that had, um, at times crept like near the top of the Eastern Conference standings in the regular season. We all understand playoff flame out, got manhandled by the New York Knicks. But for the regular season coming into this year, I think there's a legitimate chance that the Cavs battle whoever it is, Boston Philly, for the number two spot in the Eastern Conference. And if the Cavs win more games in the regular season, Hayden, like that might be their best path out of the first round of the playoffs, right? <laughs> because they won't have to face a team like the Knicks. Maybe they'd face a team like Brooklyn or Atlanta or Chicago, and then they're better equipped to get out of the first round of the playoffs. Like, like that's one way. Like we can talk about like the Cavs need to toughen up and they need to get physically stronger and they need to learn from their experience of the postseason. They can also try and win more games in the regular season and give themselves an easier path in the playoffs. That's something to consider. Yeah. Um, it, where What is the expectation? I mean, you, you say that Milwaukee is the best team in the league right now and Cavaliers could be second, third in the East. I mean, are, are we still looking at a one playoff series win? Is it now two playoff series wins? I mean, where is the expectation going into this year for the Cavs? Well, it's certainly not championship or bust. Right. Um, because I just still don't think it's that kind of roster. No. But the clock is ticking a little bit faster because of the whole Donovan Mitchell situation. Mm -hmm. um, he's obviously extension eligible. Nothing has gotten done on that front. I do not expect him to sign an extension with the Cavs. I don't think it's the best move for him financially. And I think he can always lean on that line of thinking. And it doesn't mean he's unhappy. It doesn't mean that he wants out. It doesn't mean he dislikes his teammates. Like he actually gathered his teammates for a players uh, get together in Connecticut. Um, the, the whole pre-camp thing that teams around the NBA are doing nowadays. The thing that LeBron and, and the Heat kind of made famous and LeBron brought from Miami to Cleveland. Um, Donovan was the one who orchestrated those things. So, you know, if, if he's not all in, uh, the, the Cavs and Donovan are having a hard time seeing that or showing that. Um, but in saying that, like this roster needs to win, 
and it needs to show that it can be a legitimate contender in the Eastern Conference. And again, I don't think that means championship or bust, but a first round playoff exit for the second straight season, I think that would lead to changes inside the organization. Yeah, that would make sense. That makes sense. Well, again, a long time until the playoffs. Plenty of plenty of uh, place to go uh, before then. So, um, like you said, you know, we got media day on Monday, and the thing is going to start. I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit last week or on the last podcast about kind of what are your questions and and do they have they changed or are they still kind of the same thing? Like, where what are we looking at with media day? You know, what are the questions that you're kind of looking to get answered? I think the main thing is what do they view the question that you basically asked me right there. um, What do they view as their next step as an organization and how do they make sure that they take it? Um, That to me is the, the, the biggest thing facing the Cavs because it's like we know they're good, right? A couple of years ago, they won 44 games. They got to the play in tournament and then they got bounced out of the play in tournament in two games. And then you said, okay. Like, did you learn from that? Did you get better from that? Um, And they did. They won 51 games. They were the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. They had home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. So they avoided the play-in tournament. They got to the playoffs, but they lost in the first round of the playoffs. So we know they're good, and they don't look like a team that is really set up for a ton of regression. Um, there might be a little bit of it, especially on the defensive end of the floor, if they start Max Struess at small forward, which is what I expect them to do. But I just don't think this team, as long as they stay healthy enough or their main contributors stay healthy enough, I just don't think that they're going to all of a sudden stumble out of the top six seeds in the Eastern Conference and then have to fight their way in through the play-in tournament. So we know they're good. We believe that they're going to be good once again. The question is just how good can they be? And I think there are questions too, Hayden, about how good can this core be together? And that's something that I'm going to follow for the entire season, because I think, as we've talked about, Evan Mobley's evolution and his ability to expand his game on the offensive end ties into, in a big way, ties into the effectiveness of him and Jared Allen together and the viability of those two guys in a starting lineup and in a core together, right? But I think the other thing that could happen is that Evan continues to get bigger and stronger. And at some point, he shows that he's ready to take over the full-time center spot similar to what happened with Anthony Davis in his evolution, similar to what happened with Kevin Garnett, Chris Bosh, same thing. And when that time comes, and I don't know if it's going to come this year, but when that time comes, what do the Cavs do then? So I think they do have some questions about just like how good can they be and how good can this core be together? And do they have to make changes within the core? Um, But in saying that, like, I still don't look at them as saying, if it doesn't happen this year, if they don't get to the finals this year, that's it. There's no hope. They've got to get rid of Donovan Mitchell. Like, I'm not at that point yet with their ticking clock. But it is ticking faster. 
because of the Donovan Mitchell situation. Yeah, I mean, of course, Donovan Mitchell, obviously their best player, their most important player, a guy that, you know, has made has made his love for his hometown and his hometown team unknown or very well known. And uh, I just don't think they're going to spend the whole year just or I don't know if I want to spend the whole year just speculating on whether Donovan's <laughs> going to stay or not. I mean, it's just I think, again, I, I don't know what the answer to that question is, um, but I bet the Cavs would really like to find out at this point. Well, here's the contract situation for Donovan. For those that don't know, he's under contract for this year and next year, and he's got a player option for the 25-26 season. So he is technically locked into his contract for at least two more seasons. But if the Cavs get a vibe that Donovan doesn't want to be here, Donovan's looking elsewhere. Donovan doesn't believe as strongly in the direction of the team. Donovan doesn't believe as strongly that the Cavs can compete for a championship. Like, if that's the feeling the Cavs start to get, then they owe it to themselves to see, like, what is the exit strategy and can we recoup some assets? But I just don't think it's this time right now. I think that conversation, that thought process comes following this season depending on how this season plays out like if the Cavs get to the Eastern Conference Finals okay you know that shows Donovan a level of commitment that shows Donovan a level of hope that shows Donovan a path that maybe staying in Cleveland is the best path um, for him to to win a championship and win at a level that he hasn't shown um, an ability to yet in his career and not all of that being his fault, of course. Right. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. I think you're right. I think this year is kind of a really big one for for Donovan and for the Cavs. You know, if things don't go well, does Donovan just say, I, I need to get to New York? Or, you know, yeah. the Cavs say, all right, well, we got to recruit some assets here because it doesn't look like Donovan's going to be here for the long haul. Um, it'll be very interesting. But, yeah, I mean, at this point, I think there's too much specula- or too much time to speculate before um, – you know, before the season starts. I mean, like I said, it's going to be this year, how he plays. He was on the, he was playing at an MVP level for parts of last year and was really darn good and probably one of the best, you know, already one of the best players in Cavs history, just the way he played last year. So um, I think he wants to duplicate that. I think he wants to show more. I mean, he, he was embarrassed in front of his hometown team last year. Um, and, uh, and I think that he's kind of out for blood this year. There's also this, um, you know, it happens in the NBA, Hayden, where, where guys are willing to leave great situations, um, great teams. Kyrie did it, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, very much so, know, yeah. Uh, but but for the most part, in many of these cases, the superstars that get frustrated, the superstars that are looking for a way out, are usually on teams where they don't feel as good about their chances of winning. Um, and if the Cavs remain a legitimate contender in the Eastern Conference, if they continue to win 50 games and um, take the steps necessary that they need to take as an organization and find a way to win playoff series, maybe even plural, um, it's just going to be very difficult for Donovan to turn his back on that and say, yeah. I want out. And again, We've talked about this before. There is an allure to New York. People like New York. Um, Donovan loves it. Donovan 
and the Knicks. That's been something that has been talked about in NBA circles for, I don't know how long, maybe half a decade at this point in time, basically since he came into the NBA and went to the Utah Jazz. Um, And sometimes the tug is just too much. And maybe Donovan looks at his career and says, one thing that I want out of my career is at some point in time playing for the Knicks, playing for a franchise that caliber playing for a franchise with that level of history, playing home games in MSG, who knows? Maybe he does feel like that. And if that's the case, there's nothing that the Cavs could do or anybody else in the NBA could do. Um, But he has also talked about how motivated he is by winning and how much it pains him every single time he suffers an early exit in the postseason. He is going to be haunted by... um, the, the loss against the Knicks this past year, the same way that he was haunted by the loss against the Mavericks the year before when he was with Utah, his final year with the Jazz. Um, so most of the time, if if you give these star players a reason to stay and show them that you're serious about winning and you're making the right moves to put yourself in position to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference— um, it's going to be hard for somebody like Donovan to turn his back on that. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that, again, winning will definitely solve a lot and cure a lot. So depends on how this season goes. Um, but obviously winning in the regular season is important, but winning in the right. postseason is even more important um, right. for the Cav- this Cavaliers team. All right, Chris, um, is there anything before media day that you want to get into? I mean, I, obviously we're kind of still waiting on Ricky Rubio and that's a tough situation. And mm-hmm. I don't think there's much change on that front. Um, but otherwise it seems like all the guys are going to be there and we're going to be ready to rock and roll. Yeah. It's just about, I think the only real question um, with the team and, and the setup of the team, um, because so much of, of, of what they have coming back is, is what they rode with last year and a big reason why they won 51 games and got to the playoffs last year. I mean, I think the looming question is who starts at small forward. And we touched on this briefly and I wrote about it for cleveland.com. I think it's going to be Struess. Um, He's the kind of player that they've been searching for the last couple of years. He was their number one free agent target. They gave him about $15 million per year and they signed him. They brought him in from Miami with the intention of putting him in the starting lineup and saying that, like, that's the kind of piece that that makes the starting lineup make sense again. Like yeah. when they started Isaac Okoro, like it made sense from a defensive standpoint. He was going to be the defender to take pressure off of Darius and Donovan Mitchell. He was going to take the toughest defensive assignments against the best opposing perimeter offensive player. Um, but obviously next to Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, like three non-shooters in the same front court. It's a tough way to go. And I saw that get exposed in the playoff series against the Knicks. Um, And then Karis LeVert, like he won the job out of training camp last year, but about a month into the regular season, both he and the Cavs said, Hey, like I'm probably more comfortable coming off the bench in a six man role it's probably best for me. It's probably best for the team. Let's go a different direction. So the guys that they have put in place at the small forward spot the last couple of years, they just haven't made as much sense based on their roster construction 
Max Struess is a guy who makes sense in this starting lineup. Max Struess is a guy who brings it all together. And I think the Cavs are willing to take a step back defensively, a small step back defensively, if it means a leap forward on offense. And the leap forward on offense comes with that guy playing alongside Darius, Donovan, Jarrett, and Evan Mobley. Like, that's the best way for this team to take a leap forward on the offensive end, not with Isaac Okoro at small forward, not with Karis LeVert at small forward. So I think it's going to be a competition, right? I don't think J.B. Bickerstaff's the kind of coach that is just handing out jobs, but he has a plan in place. The organization has a plan in place. They've had a plan in place since signing Struess. They envisioned a certain way to go about it, and I'd be very, very surprised if somebody else was starting in that spot as opposed to Max Struess. Right. Well, yeah, like you said, again, a small step back defensively and a big leap forward offensively would still make them a better team, which is exactly what they want to be. So um, it makes a lot of sense. All right. Until then, like I said, we will see you on Monday. uh, This thing is going to get going. I don't know. We might even, well, I don't know if we'll do, obviously we probably won't do a podcast on Monday, um, but maybe after media day during the week, we will do one. Oh yeah. Um, First couple of days of camp for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's again, it's a good time to do it. And uh, again, looking forward to the start of a new season for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Their lineup is set. Team is ready to rock. Uh, they will be at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse on Monday. Um, they are wearing their wine uniforms and uh, they'll be ready to go. So, Chris, we will see you there. Um, and otherwise, yeah, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Well, uh, de- definitely check out Chris's subtext. Again, I tell you all the time, it's the best time to do it, but the dawn of a new season sounds like the best time to do it for me. Um, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. All you got to do is go to cleveland.com slash Cavs, click the blue banner at the top of the page, and you will be sent to Chris's subtext. Enter your phone number, 14-day free trial, like I said, and no better time to do it than right now with the new season ahead of us, with the new season dawning on Monday. You are going to get all kinds of insight and news analysis and straight to your phone before anywhere else, before X or Twitter or anywhere, anywhere, whatever you want to call it. It's going to be sent to your phone first. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. Chris, thank you. Enjoy the last couple of days of uh, of the uh, of the summer slash yes, fall before, uh, before <laughs> the season ramps up, and um, we will see you on Monday. Sounds good, man. Looking forward to it. All right. Me too. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. And uh, thanks for joining us on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Take care.